Chapter Ten of the Copper Princess. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betsy Bush, May two thousand nine. The Copper Princess by Kirk Monroe. Chapter Ten. Heroism Rewarded. As the story of Peveril's brave act preceded him, it gained so remarkably in passing from mouth to mouth that by the time it reached Mrs. Trefethen she received a confused impression that by some unheard-of bravery the young man had saved all in the mine, including her Mark and her Tom, from instant destruction. Her information having come direct from her dearest friend, Mrs. Penny, she could not doubt its truth nor had she time to do so before the triumphal procession of miners appeared and halted at her door. Calling upon Nellie to support her, the worthy woman started forth to greet her heroes, and welcome them with all the warmth of her overflowing heart. As she gained the roadway, she was so blinded by thankful tears that she could not distinguish one person from another, but impulsively flung her arms about the neck of the first man she encountered, who happened to be Mike Connell, and treated him to a hearty embrace. "'Gi mun a kiss, lass,' she called to Nellie, as she loosed her arms and made towards another victim. "'Nods too good for thy brave lads this day. Oh, Mark, man, but I be proud o' being thy earthly wife, stead o' seeing thee in heaven this blessed minute.' This last was addressed to a bewildered stranger, whom Mrs. Trefethen had mistaken for her husband, and who was vainly striving to escape from her encircling arms. "'Art crazy, mother, to be hustling men in public street this way. I be shamed of ye,' cried Mark Trefethen, catching hold of his wife at this comment. "'Come along in-house, or if ye must have men to hug, take me or Tom here, or Maester Peril, who deserves it best of all for this day's work.' Nothing loath to do as she was bid, Mrs. Trefethen made a third effort to express her feelings toward Peveril in her own peculiar fashion. But he laughingly evaded her, and she fell instead upon the neck of another astonished stranger who happened in her way, and upon whose head she tearfully called down the choicest blessings of heaven. "'These saved me from widow's grave, lad, which the same, I frequently says to Miss Penny, I did ope never to live to see, but our heavenly father knows best, and if hits his will, but there, I'm that overset. Nelly, gi master peril a kiss, lass, in token of thy forgiveness for what he is done this day. So saying, the well-meaning blunderer released her victim with a view of allowing Nelly a chance to express her gratitude, and for the first time caught sight of his face. Thee's not Dick Peril she cried. What's thee mean by scandalizing honest woman thee way? Isn't thee shamed on thyself, thou great lump? The poor man tried in vain to explain his innocence of act or intention, but his voice was drowned in the boisterous laughter of his mates, amid which the crowd gradually dispersed, while Mrs. Trefethen, still exclaiming against the duplicity of men in general, was led into the house by her husband and son. In the meantime, Miss Nellie had demurely shaken hands with Mike Connell, who was still gasping in astonishment at the warmth of Mrs. Trefethen's reception. Then she kissed her father and Tom, stole one look at Peveril's face, and murmuring something about seeing after supper, ran into the house. 
although Peveril had not forgotten the promise to his newly made friend to inform Nelly of his own engagement as soon as possible, he had no chance to do so that evening, for supper had hardly been eaten when he began to receive visitors eager to congratulate him upon his recent act of heroism. Among these was Major Arkell, general manager of the mine, whom the young man had never before met. The Trefethens were thrown into a flutter of hospitable pride by the coming to their cottage of so distinguished a visitor, but after a courteous greeting to them, he devoted his entire attention to him whom he had come purposely to see. After the latter had been introduced to him as Mr. Peril, he asked so many questions concerning the recent incident as to finally draw out the whole story of that day's experience. He was a good listener, though a man of few words, and during Peveril's narrative gained a very fair idea of our young miner's education and capabilities. When the latter had finished, the major asked him if he proposed to continue his career as a miner. "'I expect I shall have to,' answered Peveril, "'seeing that I am entirely dependent upon my own exertions for a livelihood, and have no knowledge of any other business.' "'Do you mind telling me what led you to choose this line of work from all others?' "'Because,' replied Peveril, flushing, "'finding myself in red jacket without a dollar, "'I was glad to accept the first job that offered.' "'And we was only too glad to have him for one of us, Major,' "'broke in Mark Trefethen, "'seeing as how he introduced himself by saving our Tom's life.' "'Indeed, I hadn't heard of that. "'How did it happen?' Glad of an opportunity for singing his young friend's praises, the timber boss eagerly related the incident, and when it was told, the manager said with a smile, "'Well, sir, you seem to have such a happy faculty for life-saving that I don't know but what we ought to appoint you inspector of accidents. Seriously, though, I am very glad to have a man of your evident ability and steady nerve with us, and if you are inclined to remain in our employ, I shall make it my business to see that your interests do not suffer. So, if you will call at my office about eight o'clock tomorrow morning, I shall be pleased to have a further talk with you. Thank you, sir, rejoined Peveril. I will not fail to be there. After the great man had departed, the Trefethens indulged in many speculations as to what he intended to do for their guest. Nor was Peveril himself devoid of a hopeful curiosity in the same direction. "'Mayhap he'll make ye storekeeper,' suggested Mrs. Trefethen. "'And if he only will, Maester Peril, me and Miss Penny'll take all our trade to thy shop, though they do say as our company ginghams won't wash, while as for white goods, they've porous stock and haul red jacket. Same time, there's many other little things can be ad reasonable, and Miss Penny's a lady as isn't above buying her own groceries, which hits a treat to see her taking, a taste o' this or a nibble o' that, and always giving shopkeeper the benefit o' experience. Storekeeper be damned, growled Mark Trefethen. Tisn't likely they'll try to make a counter-jumper out o' a lad of Maester Peril's size and weight o' fist, to say nothing o' his learning. No, no. More like, he'll get a good berth underground, foreman of gang, or plat boss, or something like that. Tom thought it might be a job connected with the railroad, which was his own ambition, while Nellie, usually so ready with her tongue, for a wonder kept silent and made no suggestions. 
On the following morning, when promptly at eight o'clock Peveril presented himself at the manager's office, his patience was tried by being compelled to wait in an ante-room for more than an hour while the great man dispatched an immense amount of business with many subordinates. Richard could not help overhearing many of the conversations carried on in the private office, and as he listened was filled with admiration at the decisive readiness with which the manager disposed of one difficult problem after another. Finally, when all the others had been dismissed, Peveril was summoned to the inner room, where, after a word of regret at having kept him so long in waiting, the manager bade him be seated, and said— "'Mr. Peril, it is so evident that you have been accustomed to a position far removed from that of a common labourer, that I am desirous of knowing something more of your life before entrusting you with a responsibility. Do you mind telling me what brought you to this section of country?' "'No, sir, I don't know that I do. I came out here ruined in fortune, though no fault of my own, to seek information concerning an old, and, I believe, a long-ago abandoned mine, known as the Copper Princess. Um, I remember hearing the name, and if I am not mistaken, it applied to a worthless property on which a large sum of money was squandered many years since. Yes, sir. How are you interested in it? My father was an owner, and I was his heir. I am glad you told me this, and relieved to find that no worse folly has caused a gentleman to seek employment as a common miner, though I cannot hold out the slightest hope that you will ever recover a dollar from your property. Still, I will make inquiries, and let you know anything I may learn. Thank you, sir. Do you know anything about boats? asked the manager, abruptly changing the subject. Yes, sir. I have handled boats more or less all my life. Good. Then I want you to take charge of a gang of men whom you will find awaiting you on the company's tug down at the landing. They are going some distance up the coast to recover whatever may be found of a valuable timber raft belonging to us and wrecked near Laughing Fish Cove during the gale of two days ago. All our logs are marked W.P. If you find any such in possession of other parties, you may lay claim to them, and even take them by force if necessary." The tug will leave you at the cove, where you will establish a camp, and to which you will raft the recovered logs, holding them against your return, which will be in about a week. Here is a note of introduction to her captain. Do you understand? Yes, sir, I think I do. Then you may start at once. Very well, sir. And the young man, realizing his employer's love of promptness, rose to leave. By the way— said the other, as he reached the door. "'Is your name Peril?' "'No, sir, it is Peveril.' "'Richard?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Then this letter is probably for you. It has lain here several days, awaiting a claimant.' With this, Major Arkell handed the young man a dainty-looking missive that he acknowledged to be for him, and which, as he thrust it into his pocket, he saw with a thrill of joy was addressed in the handwriting of Rose Bonifay. End of chapter 10